I thank you for this time. I thank you, Lord, that your presence is in this place. I thank you, Father, that you sent Jesus to back up your word tonight. You sent Jesus to honor our praise tonight. And you're sending Jesus tonight to deliver the captives tonight, save the lost tonight. We honor him in this place tonight. Holy Spirit, help me. If you don't help me, I'll fail in everything that I do. Help me teach this word effectively where it pierces our souls and spirits for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. How you know when you, get, when you die and you meet Jesus, I, I believe he's going to ask you a question. How many people did you get saved? Because that was the great commission in Mark uh, chapter 16. He said, go out and preach the gospel to all every creature, and those who believe shall be saved. That was the commission. The commission wasn't prophecy. The commission wasn't praise. The commission wasn't all the things that most of, most of us do. The commission is to get a soul saved. So the Lord gave me a message when uh, Joshua and the two boys were in, a, in an accident. I went into worship. I said, Lord, how do we reach these young children, these young, this young group for Jesus? And I'm telling you, I went into worship. Glory column came down on me. And my hand just started writing. And that's what I'm going to present to you tonight is what I was going to present to those three boys until the devil intercepted again right when we were supposed to meet. And some th thief stole all of one of the guy's stuff. So at the time that they were supposed to meet me here, they had to deal with the police. Isn't that amazing how the devil is just so busy with these young kids, this young generation? But after tonight, you're going you're gonna to know how to lead somebody to Jesus Christ because we're going to give this out, Charlena. We'll give this out at some point, this teaching, so that we can um, all lead somebody to Jesus effectively. Amen? I also want to let the devil know he's defeated. I want to let the devil know that he's going to loose himself off of people tonight. And remind the devil that Jesus is still Lord. That Jesus is still alive. Amen? We don't serve no weak Jesus. We serve a Jesus who has power and has authority. So if you get anything tonight, I want you to be able to lead somebody to Christ when you leave here. That's our goal. If that was the Great Commission, don't you think he's going to say something about it when we get to heaven? I believe he's going to say something about it. It's a conscious, conscious thing on my mind constantly, like a radar. Lord, use me. And I ask the Lord why he doesn't use more Christians to, to reach out to people and save them. He said, because they don't have an understanding of me yet. Isn't that amazing? How can you win somebody to Jesus if you can't build an understanding in them why they need him? Amen. Why would you put your trust in something you don't know? Would you do that? You have to know something about who you're going to put trust in, right? Amen. So maybe this will help us all tonight, a call to return to the Lord. Let's put um, Proverbs 11.30 on the screen. I didn't give you that scripture, but the Lord gave me that this morning or this afternoon when I was looking over everything. The fruit of the uncompromising righteous is a tree of life. And he, he who is wise captures human lives for God. As a fisher of men, he gathers and receives them for eternity. Amen? Wise. A wise man is a man of unusual learning. Unusual judgment and insight. That's what wise means. A man of unusual learning, judgment, and insight. That is the only way that you're going to reach somebody to Jesus. You've got to look beyond the norm. You've got to look beyond the circumstance. You've got to look beyond their problem. Amen? And see what Jesus wants to do in this situation. All right, let's, um, let's, look at, let's put this on the screen here for a second. Y'all can see that. <clears throat> on the left it says, God with man, Adam before he sinned. Filled with God, blessed, peace and love, joy and prosperity. And the second one is Satan with man. Adam after he sinned, disconnected from God. How, how many of you know that you are actually disconnected from God till you come to Jesus and get born again? Isn't that a scary thought? 
If somebody would have taught me that before I got saved, that I was actually disconnected to God. I would cry out to God, not knowing that he couldn't hear me. Because the Bible says he can't hear sinners, right? He can't hear sinners. We got to call on the name of Jesus to get to God. So Adam, after he sinned, disconnected from God, eternally separated from God, does good works to earn his way to heaven. Well, that's a tough one there. Dictated by fear. And some of you know my testimony, some of you don't, but I was possessed by fear. I had ulcer full of, my stomach was full of ulcers. Dad asked me one time when I was 14 years old, what are you worried about? Because we had to go to a doctor and had all these ulcers in my stomach. I was worried about everything. I was worried about if I didn't have a pencil for school the next morning or a piece of paper, little stuff like that I was just constantly worried about. But I was under the dictation of Satan, who is the spirit of fear. That leads us to the bondage. He is the spirit of fear. So we look at the God, God reconciled man through Jesus Christ on the end here. The second Adam, which is Jesus Christ, who gives God's life back to us. And when that happens, we get reconnected back to God through Jesus Christ. Now we're one with God, does works through his faith in God. And the bottom says we are shaped by love. Isn't that amazing that we can actually be shaped and molded for love? Shaped for love? God has to do it that way because you'll never reach anybody for Jesus if they don't see love on you. They got to see that compassion. They got to see that mercy on you before you ever, you ever reach somebody for Jesus. When God is near, the Bible says when he is near, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. How many actually felt him come near you? And, and how many actually didn't, didn't yield to him? Even in this place, I see people come near to him, but don't even yield to him. Because if you yield to him, you'll do what he says. The scary thing is, that could be our last moment that he yields to us. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. There's an enemy out there, and Jesus said we did not have an enemy until we accepted Jesus as our Lord. Satan was not our enemy. He was our God. But when he accepted Christ, he became our enemy. So he's appointed to us to torment us, to keep us angry, keep us fearful. Because he knows if he can keep all those stirred up, he's stirring up his kingdom. And he can keep you out of God's kingdom. Amen? So think about that. Every time you're fearful or anxious or anything like that, know that how to take on this mindset. What has Satan come for? What has he come to me for? He's come to intercept something. God is The, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's so, t it's so near you could touch it. But you can't see it, but it's there. God reveals it in act of obedience. Let's look what saved means. Saved means from eternal separation from God, hell. We are rescued from the living, from a from living a life of separated from God. Now, bear in mind this teaching is for this young group, but it applies to everybody. But this is the way God said, "I'm going to reach these young twenty-year-old boys." Let's go to the next thing. Salvation means health, wealth, and wholeness. Salvation began to be established when Jesus said, "Repent." For the kingdom of God is at hand. Salvation began to be established right then when Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So we have something to do. God never does anything until we do it first. And he's asking us to repent. Change your mindset. Your old ways of thinking because they're not working. The old ways of thinking will never work in the kingdom of God. So repent, change your ways, change your way of thinking. The only way we can enter into the kingdom of God is to turn from Satan's kingdom to God's kingdom. Amen? So follow me through this. This is very elementary, but it came from heaven to win somebody to Jesus. So let's look at this. There was a question here that says, what is your end understanding of God 
And what is your understanding of Jesus? And what is your understanding of the Holy Spirit? And God the Father gives good things. If you, if you ever get, had something good come into your life, you know it came through the Father, through Jesus. Amen? He says that he finds a good wife, finds a good thing. But who that wife come from? The Father. That's why he said to treat her right, right? Or your prayers would be hindered. And that's strong. I tell the guys in this ministry, if your wife's messed up, it's because of you. Because your prayers are hindered. Amen. He's the head. The man is the head. Jesus is our brother. Jesus saves. The Holy Spirit is a spirit who teaches us everything about what Jesus said. All right. You came from heaven. That, that's what we got to get a hold of. We came from heaven. To this earth. Through your mother. To bring heaven onto the earth. If we just leave here with that mindset. The reason I came to earth. Was to bring heaven on earth. Not the kingdom. Because the kingdom's already here. Jesus left it. We are called to bring the kingdom of heaven on the earth. What is that? We are called to bring the presence of the Father into the earth realm. Amen? Well, how, how will people know that you're living in the presence of the Father? You're doing good works, good deeds, loving people, helping people. This is God. This, Jesus saves us so that we're able to do that. Your life has a purpose. Jesus came to rescue us from Satan's kingdom and deliver us into God's kingdom so that we could fulfill our purpose on the earth. I remember that day where you were rescued and you felt the change. Can you imagine if you could see what happened in the unseen realm? What happened right then? When God sent the angels to rescue you. Back to Jesus. And the Bible says all heaven started rejoicing. Can you imagine? Then that, that should really humble us. That heaven stood to attention when we got saved. Where's my music? Heaven stood to attention when we got saved. You talk about honor. That's honor. If nobody honors you, remember that day. All heaven honored me. So we don't have to look for man's honor. Because we already have it. Through God. We have honor on our life. Let's look at the screen. A lost person is empty and depressed. Now I see a lot of Christians like this now. And I know these Christians are saved. Why are they depressed? Why are they depressed? They can't find your way. They're fearful. They're angry. Perverted. Worry all the time. This is just a few things that you can identify a lost person. Because we identify them by their fruit. Saved. Look at saved. Restored. Happy, peaceful, no fear, no worry, blessed. I know when I first got saved, there was not one ounce of fear. And I was possessed by fear and it left instantly and it's never came back. And I know Christians have had the same experience I have, but they have fear. The difference is you have to pursue the one that saved you. You have to pursue him. You pursue him by opening up this Bible. That's how you're pursuing him. And as you pursue him, he's feeding you. He's feeding you. Let's look at the screen again. 
Now, this is the way God gave it to me for, the, for these guys. It says, lost from God on, one, on this side of the cross and saved back to God on the other side of the cross. So the cross is a bridge to God. Now, if you look here on the bottom left-hand corner, you'll see the functions of the soul, which, I mean, functions of the spirit, but it's all gray. It's without God. It's disconnected from God. It doesn't say that the intuition and the, and the communion and the conscience does not still work, but it's just not working with God. Does that make sense? Because that's where God speaks is right here. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And you see the regenerated spirit on the right where it's, where it's came, come into God, and that's where God dwells now in a Christian, in that spirit. He is in the center core of your heart. He's not in your head yet. See, I, I wish they would have taught me that my head was saved when I got saved, but they didn't. Because they didn't know. They didn't know. The soul is not saved. Jesus said you have to work out what's in your spirit that's saved into your soul. And you might say, well, what if I die tomorrow and my soul's not worked out yet? Well, I'm going to answer some of those questions in here as the Lord gave it to me. So Jesus is a life-giving spirit. Jesus is the only qualified vessel to carry God's presence because he was sinless. When we are sinless, we'll be able to carry God's presence. Amen. Wake Rachel up. Amen. We've got to honor God. We're going to honor his presence tonight. Let's look at the screen again. God did not send you to the earth to live in Satan's kingdom. I'm going to give you a lot of information on Satan tonight so that you can identify if he is working in us and through our soul. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 16. This is what I'm looking for. This, yeah. Right, let's see the fruit. There you go. Listen, if, if you're dealing with any of these things on an occurring basis, then it's not you causing you to do that. It is Satan himself causing you to do that. Can you imagine being a Christian bought with the blood of Jesus and this is working through me? That's enough to put the fear of God in us, right? What does that say to Jesus? What, is that, what is that telling him? Fornication, adultery. I've seen more of that in the church right now than I've seen in the world. Can you believe that? Fornication and adultery in the church. Why is that? Because they never learn Jesus. He was never revealed to them in such a way that they would not turn to that, but would turn to him. Amen. That's why you got to be in, under good revelatory teaching. Uncleanness, dirty. You ever get around people and they just smell? That's a spirit. Demons smell. I can smell them. I don't know what you can smell. I can smell them when they're around. Because they carry a scent. And each scent is different according to what's happening right here. Laziness, anger, hatred, argumentative, jealousy, drunkenness, selfishness, cursing, lying, stealing. Disrespect to others, murder, destruction, pride, loss, disappointment, fears, and 20, there's, there's a lot more. But these are very basic. How many of you can identify with any of these? I mean, you've got to be honest with yourself tonight because the Lord is going to free you up from that tonight. The only, th the only way Jesus works is through grace. And he only sends his grace when we humble ourselves before him and say, look, I've messed up. I need you tonight. So this is the enemy's ways 
And if you've practiced this more than once, any of these things, then you know that the enemy has a foothold. That we come into agreement with him. Amen. He's not going to work unless you took come into agreement with him. I've got all these number number nine. What happens if I die and I'm still in Satan's kingdom? We all live forever. Your body, your body stays here. Your spirit and soul leave your body to an eternal home. That's what we got to realize, that your spirit and soul leave your body and go to an eternal home. And there are two eternal homes, heaven and hell. There's no in-between. Heaven and hell. Amen. Heaven is where God lives. Hell is where Satan is going. Satan's not in hell. Where's, where's Satan at? In the second heaven. He's in the air. He's the prince of the power of the air. If we choose to live for Satan, and we saw the fruit of it, you will go where he's going. There's a lot of Christians in hell. I don't know whether you know that or not. But there are. That's why this is a serious moment tonight. Get it right with God. You see any of this fruit up here that you've seen? And you're practicing that? Tomorrow's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. The Bible says, whatever you're holding on to, whatever you're putting your trust in, that's where we go. But hell was made for Satan. That's what we got. God, everybody blames God for being bad and angry, and he created hell for humans. Humans, hell was not created for people. Hell was created for Satan and his demons. It was not created for people. But when we choose the enemy, we're going to where he's going. Amen. And we're going we're to we're tell you what hell's like here in, in a second. Psalm 55, 15 and 16. Let death seize them. Let them go down alive into hell. Can you imagine? Because you don't know when death's going to hit. Because it's like twinkling of an eye, you're gone. And you're still alive. That's a scary feeling. That means you, you remember everything that you just left. But now you're spiraling downward. A place to live forever. Isn't that amazing? To live forever. You never die. This should stir up our evangelists. For the wickedness is in their dwelling and among them. As for me, I will call upon the Lord and the Lord shall save me. You have a chance. <laughs> Praise God, we have a chance. Look at Psalm 917. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forgot their God. Nations is people. So every person that forgot God. How many times do we forget God? When we go to bed with someone, we just forgot him. It wasn't our wife or husband. We stole from somebody. We just forgot him. What if you'd have died in that moment? I really want you to take this serious tonight. God wants you to take it serious. You'd have died in that moment of your pleasure. And both of y'all were spiraled down. I thought, well, I, I got Jesus in me. Well, he, you weren't with him in the bed. Right? Come on, let's get real tonight. Let's get real tonight. Jesus is very forgiving, full of mercy. He's going to show it tonight. Isaiah 14, 9. Hell from beneath is excited about you. That tells me there's people down there. Amen? Only people can get excited. 
Hell from Venice is excited about you to meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you and all the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up from it has raised up from their thrones and all the kings of the nations. So, are you convinced that hell exists? Raise your hand if you're convinced that hell exists. And hell is not for you. Yes. Hell is not for you. Hell is for the enemy. The difference between heaven and hell, either you know God or you don't. That's the difference. Either you know God or you don't. What would Jesus do? Remember that thing that said, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do in this situation? That tells you how much you know God. How are you going to choose him? Are you not going to choose him? But the blessings of obedience, man, I'm telling you, every time you obey him and choose him, he'll bless you every time. So look at this. What is hell like? Let's look at Matthew 13, 50 and 51. What is hell like? And cast them, the wicked, into the furnace of fire. There will be weeping and wailing and grinding of teeth. Have you understood all these things, parables taken together? They said to him, yes, Lord. This is Jesus speaking. What is hell like in this verse? It's a furnace of fire. Can you imagine that you are, you're going to go, go there alive if you're forsaking God? And, and remember the three Hebrew boys within a furnace of fire? But they did not deny their God and did not get one stench of smoke on them or burn. So it's a furnace of fire that is never quenched. That means you feel the fire forever. You see how painful it is just to get a burn on your finger. But you feel the fire forever. Mark 9, 43. As if hand causes you to stumble and sin, cut it off. That is, remove yourself from the source of temptation. Doesn't mean just cut off your finger or hand. Remove yourself from the person that is the source of your temptation. That's what this means. For it is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two hands and go to hell into the unquenchable fire. And that's powerful right there. We got to watch out who we're hanging around. Amen. Who you're hanging around with is going to help you get there. Jesus said, withdraw from evil. Stay away from evil people, right? That's why he said, stay with your assembly. Stay with your church. Hang out with church people. And let's look at verse 44. It says, where the worm does not die and the fire is not put out. So there's worms down there. Worms. Can you imagine being in fire and having worms crawling all through you? Then he said, chewing on you. I don't know. They just torment you. Hell is a place of hopelessness where the worm and the fire do not die. It's a constant, ceaseless frustration and torment. It's ceaseless from frustration and torment. You think we're just tormented a little bit here on the earth. It's full time down there. How much do we hate torment? How much do we hate anxiety and fear? It's full time down there. You ever hear a demon come out and screaming? It's a, it's a, how, how would you describe it? It's a shrieking sound. That's the way it is down there full time. That's all you hear. A shrieking sound. Second Thessalonians 1, 7 and 9. The angels of God take vengeance on those who do not know God and do not obey the Bible. Now this is a this is a powerful verse right here. 
because it says the angels of God take vengeance on those who do not know God. That means they're not born again, right? But it also says, and do not obey the Bible. Who's he talking about? Christian. He's not requiring a lost man to obey the Bible because the Bible has not been enlightened to him. He's talking about a Christian here. These people shall be punished with everlasting fire and destruction. Remember that guy, what was that gentleman's name, that minister that went to hell and he came back alive again and the maggots were still coming out of his ears. There's a book back there. Seven days in heaven. Yeah. But he said he was walking in hell with Jesus. Jesus took him down there to show him around. And he saw his treasurer and his secretary down there. Because they had anger. One of them had anger and unforgiveness. The other one was stealing. Greed. He was shocked. There were people close to him. He was a minister. They were reading the Bible with him. But one was stealing from him. And the other one had unforgiveness. Anger. Listen, if you got anger, you're not going to get there. So he just, that minister backed up what this word says right here. Only Christians can obey or disobey the Bible. Verse 7, and to give relief to you who are so distressed and to us as well when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in a flame of fire dealing out full and complete vengeance to those who do not know God and to those who ignore and refuse to obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ by choosing not to respond to him. These people will pay the penalty and endure the punishment of everlasting destruction banished from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So if we're not obeying what the Bible says, and we do not know God, then who are we obeying? Satan. The enemy. Let's look at this on the screen. We freely shape our lives by our choices. And in doing so, we shape our eternal home. Meditate on that a second. We freely shape our lives by our choices. And in doing so, we're shaping our eternal home. So listen, it's not about who you're not getting along with while you're doing certain things. This is what we need to be thinking about is our eternal home. Not the people we're not getting along with. Hell is a chosen destination. We choose hell by living according to Satan's ways. It says God hates hell. We can't blame him if we go there. Amen. Don't get mad at God. He's not sending you there. Revelation 21, 7 and 8. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But listen to this verse 8. Everybody look at the screen. But the cowardly, I want all the young people to look at the screen, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual and moral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, Shall have the part in the lake of fire which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Listen to this. How easy is it for you to lie? I mean, how easy do we just say a lie? Look at what this says. Where are we going? The lake of fire. The cowardly. The unbelieving, abominable, murderer, sexual, immoral. It's not worth having fornication or adultery. Is it? It's not worth it. That moment of pleasure and where it sends us if we die. 
All liars shall have the part in the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone, which is the second death. When you die, if your name is not found in the book of life, what happens? Let's look at Revelation 20, 20, 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. So when you die, that's the first thing that's going to happen. You're going to stand before God, and the books are going to be open. These are books of deeds. These are books of uh, book of life. That when you got born again, your name was recorded in that book. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as written in the books. That is, everything done while on the earth. Revelations twenty fifteen. If anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was hurled into the lake of fire. That means you've got to be born again. And you have to absolutely know that you're born again. How do you know? How do you know? Ask yourself, how do I know I'm born again? Is it because I just said a prayer? No, that's not how you get born again. It's part of the process. But it's not the sign. Look, let's look at John 3, 3. And Jesus answered and, and said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless a person is born again, reborn from above where you came from, spiritually transformed, renewed and sanctified. I love that word sanctified. And he cannot ever see and experience the kingdom of God. So how do you know you're born again? You're a new creation. Amen. What happens after you're born again? Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So everything that was on that list of Satan's ways of tempting us, that's got to be something old. Passing away, we can't keep doing it. You've got to let it go. And let Jesus bring the new thing into your life. Because it's right there at hand. Amen. He's just waiting on us to obey him. And not yield to that old way. So that's how you know. You just don't do what you used to do. What happens after you're born again? Listen, when I got saved, before I got saved, eight out of every ten words was a curse word. I just thought it was a cool language. Because I was hanging around all the cool guys that would smoke cigarettes and curse all the time. But when I got saved, my language got saved. And I haven't said one curse word in 26 years. Not one. He went out rubbed up against the light pole the other day with my car. But what I talked to my soul. I said, Gene, you got to get it together. That's exactly what I said. You've got to talk to your soul. Don't curse it. Talk to it. Educate it. But you've got to get it together. Old things have passed away. So let's look at the screen. What would be some old things that are passing away? A life of disappointment passes away. A life of fear passes away. A life of being broke passes away. A life of anger passes away. A life of worry passes away. Isn't that enough to give your life to Jesus right there? Let's look at the new things that comes in. A life of appointments with God. See, there's no disappointments in the kingdom of God. There are appointments with God. A life of faith and fearlessness. A life of wealth and prosperity. A life of love and being loved. And a worry-free life. Isn't that amazing that you can have a worry-free life as a Christian? Worry-free life. So are you ready to leave Satan's world and come to God's? Now, now keep in mind, I'm not talking to you. I hope I'm not talking to any of you. I'm, I'm, I'm talk, this was put together for these three young men. Are you ready to, for, to leave Satan's world and come to God's? 
And how do we do this? Look, look, look at Romans 10, 9. Oh, wait a minute. Don't go there yet. Before you, do, before you look at that scripture, I want you to know your enemy. Because a lot of people go through this, this scripture of Romans 10, 9, and they don't know the enemy. Let's look at the, let's look at the screen. Personal names and titles of Satan. This all comes from the word. Lucifer, devil, Bezebel, Belial, Belial, ad adversary, dragon, serpent, God of this world, prince of this air, accuser of the brethren, enemy, tempter, wicked one. So if you're being tempted, that's, that's the biggest thing with most Christians. They get tempted to buy things. They get tempted to, with people, they get tempted to pull away and get into things that they shouldn't be into. These are na personal names and titles of Satan in the Bible. All right, let's look at the character of Satan. Enemy of all good. He is an accuser. He's the father of lies. Sower of discord. Adversary. He's the first sinner. He's cunning. He's wicked. And malignant. Cowardly, tempter, thief, without principle in taking advantage of men in their weak moments. Don't you hate that when somebody just takes advantage of you when you're weak? Presumptuous, proud, deceitful, fierce, and cruel, aggressive. The character of Satan. Now Jesus said. We are to be his branch. That's what he said. That he's the true vine where the branches. We're not to be a branch of Satan. But there's 26 branches I found. Of Satan's work. Let's look at those. He deceives us. The power of death. Is his work. You die before your time. Leader of all sinners, backsliders and rebels. He's their leader. Number four, he causes sickness and disease and physical and mental disorders. This comes from the enemy. Takes advantage of all adversities of men to further their rebellion. So when you're in a trial and adversity is hitting you every way you can come, he's trying to get you to further disobey God because the reason the adversity is there is because we disobey God. Somewhere along the line. He tempts men. He provokes sin. He causes offense. Transforms himself into an angel of light. How many people come to you transforming themselves into an angel of light? Amen. You end up in the bed with them, right? And that right, it was right with me. Come on. Satan's crafty. Resist others. Enters into union with others against God. Sends messengers to defeat the saints. You ever get somebody come alongside of you just trying to defeat you? Those Judas spirits that come around you? Probably just defeat you. Hinders, sends messengers to defeat the saints, hinders the gospel, steals the word of God from men before they believe. And look at that number 15. He works miracles. So don't follow miracles. That you don't know who you're going to run into. You might hit that angel of light. Because he's going to perform a miracle just like Jesus did. And it's happening out there now. It's amazing how we can follow the hype of things. Contends with the messengers of God. Endeavoring to hold them captive. 
hinders, answers the prayers. Don't you know you got to fight for your prayers? Don't just pray once and think God, God heard it and he's going to do something about it. You prayed once, he heard it, but you got to fight for this thing. That's what intercessors do. We got to intercede. We got to push our prayers. He sets traps for men to fall into sin. Causes diversions and blinds men to the gospel. Causes double-bindedness. These are branches. Causes doubt. Causes darkness and oppression. Causes deadness and weakness. Causes delay and compromise. Causes divisions and strife. Makes war on the saints. So if you need want a list of this, talk to Charlene and she'll give you a list of all this. This whole message. But if any of these things are going on in your life, then there's a branch. I didn't say a tree. There's a branch that's bearing fruit for the enemy. But look what the Father does when we have a branch like that. Let's look at John 15, 1 and 2. I am the true vine. Jesus is talking here. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. How does he take it away? I feel the pruning sometimes. Because wherever you're fruitful in your life, you can you can guarantee you're going to be cut back at some point. Amen. Where even in ministry, if you're fruitful in ministry, at some point you're going to be cut back. And the enemy wants you to think you've done something wrong. But you got peace. That's the difference. It's not discipline that's happening if you still have your peace. It's God's approval. On your life. Saying hey you've done great. I'm just going to cut you back a little bit. So we can bear more fruit. Now. Amen. Let's get John 15 5. I am the vine. And you are the branches. He who abides in me. And I in him. Bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So shouldn't your whole life be fruitful. Your spirit be fruitful. Your mind be fruitful with peace. Your body be fruitful in good health. Your finances are fruitful. Your relationships are fruitful. If they're not, if one of them is lacking, then there's a, there's a bad branch going on. Let's look at 15.6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. And they are burned. So that branch goes into the fire and it's burned. It's done away with. You ever feel the fire of God come on you in this place? God's burning something up. That's all he's doing. You ever feel the fire on my hands? And he has me lay it on certain people. He's burning something up. We have a great God that reaches out with his mercy, reaches out with his grace. But we've got to put ourselves in position to do that. That's why he said not to forsake the assembly of God. The church. We got to get together. And stay together. That's like Todd said. Staying in unity. We can do exploits for God. Amen. 15.7 If you abide in me and my words abide in you. You ask what you desire and it will be done for you. So why do we have alien uh, vines, alien branches? Because the word's not there. And then we're asking God all kinds of things and he's not answering the prayer. Because there's an alien vine, there's an alien branch that's going to cause problems if he was to answer that prayer. Let's look at verse 8. 15.8 By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. I want kingdom life saints to be fruitful in God. Be fruitful in Jesus. You have all the information you need as a checklist. 
to see if I'm bearing the wrong fruit or got a wrong branch going on. Let's look at six earmarks of the Holy Spirit's manifestation. These are six earmarks of the Holy Spirit manifestations out of the word. One, a Christ-like spirit of love, patience and faith in God. Two, soberness and keenness of spirit vision. We ought to know what's happening in the spirit realm. I can't wait until we get to this, this little man on the chart over here, this, the glorious sons, where we see more in the spirit realm than we see in the natural realm. Wouldn't that be awesome? To see all the angels around you when you get out of bed in the morning? Number three. Deep humility of heart and meekness of spirit with a lion-like courage against sin, sickness, poverty and disease, discouragement, failure, and everything else causing defeat in a Christian's life. That's where we've got to let that lion of Judah, that lion of Jesus, come out against these things and get bold towards some of this stuff. You've got to get bold towards it. Number four, absolute clearness of the mental faculties in carrying out biblical instructions. So he's talking about the soul and its functions. Absolute clearness of these functions to be able to carry out the instruction of God. Freedom from fault finding, whispering, slander, and all works of the flesh. You ever find somebody who wants to, who wants to point out something wrong just needle, needle you with it? Or somebody that pulls you aside and just wants to whisper in your ear. Don't want anybody else to hear. Who's working? The enemy. If somebody pulls you aside and whisper in your ear, don't listen to them. Six, freedom from ignorance concerning the divine will of God. This is the goal of every Christian. To allow the Holy Spirit in its manifestations. Sometimes God will just come down on me and I'll just write out 10 or 15 scriptures like that. We used to do it in the conference room over there when we were uh, ministering to someone and it was like a love letter to them. Well, that's what God gave me here. And I want you to see what it says. In Jeremiah 2, 11 through 13. Just came, boom, boom, boom. Has a nation ever changed its gods? Even though they are not gods. But my people have changed their glory, their God, for that which does not profit. Be astonished and appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked and shriveled up with horror, says the Lord, at the behavior of the people. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have honed for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, which cannot hold water. How many times we just we just take things into our own hands and begin to mold and shape the life that we want? And God's not in it. And it ends up to be a broken cistern with no water. There's no life on it. Let's look at t uh, Jeremiah 2.17. Have you not brought this upon yourself by forsaking the Lord your God who led you in the way? God already led us in the right way when we got born again. He turned us and said, now this is the way. 2.22 or 2.21. Yet I have planted you, O house of Israel, and we are the spiritual house of Israel, a, a choice vine, holy of pure seed. How then... Have you turned into a degenerated, degenerate shoot of wild vine alien to me? Now, this is the Lord speaking to us tonight. 2.22. For though you wash yourself with lion and use much soap. How many times? I, I used to be in the shower a lot before I got saved, trying to wipe off all the filth off of me from being out that night. You know how you just get out and do things you ain't supposed to be doing? Thinking that soap would clean you up. 
Yet your iniquity and guilt are still upon you. You are spotted, dirty, stained before me, says the Lord. And that's what got me to come to the Lord. The guilt overtook me. The condemnation just overtook me. Let's look at another one, 25. Cease from your mad running after idols, from which you get nothing but bitter injury. Keep your foot from being unshod and your throat from thirst. But you said it's hopeless. How many said it's hopeless? <laughs> it's hopeless. It's too late. I've gone too far down this path. For I have loved strangers and foreigners, and after them I will go. Let's look at the next verse, 23, Jeremiah 322. Return, O faithless son, says the Lord, and I will heal your faithlessness. Isn't it amazing? All we have to do is make the choice. That is so easy. Just make the choice and your heart be in it. And they answered, behold, we come to you for you are the Lord, our God. 325. Let us lie prostrate in our shame. We need to lay prostrate on this floor tonight. If any of these things are in us tonight, just lay prostrate on this floor. He's given us instruction. Let your dishonor and confusion cover us for we have sinned against the Lord, our God. We and our fathers from our youth, even to this day, we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. Hosea 14, 1 and 2. O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled and fallen, visited by calamity due to your iniquity. So if we've got trouble in our life, then it tells me that I've got iniquity going on in my life. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all your iniquity, all our iniquity, except what is good and receive us graciously so we will re render our thanks and bullocks to be sacrificed and pay the confession of our lips. Second Chronicles 39. For if we return to the Lord, now God's given us instruction. Your brethren and your children shall find compassion. Isn't that amazing what we do affects our kids? And their captors and return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful, and he will not turn away his face from you. Isn't that amazing? That we can actually be serving Satan. And God says, I'm not turning my face away from you. Just make a choice. Just make a choice. Isaiah 55, 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thought and let him return to the Lord and he will have love, pity, and mercy for him and to our God for he will multiply to him his abundant pardon. Jeremiah 24, 7. And I will give them a heart to know, recognize, understand, and be acquainted with me. That's what we're lacking. That I am the Lord, and they will be my people, and I will be their God. For they will return to me with their whole heart. Not some heart. With their whole heart. And last verse. Hosea 12.6 Therefore return to your God. Hold fast to love and mercy to righteousness and justice and wait expectantly for your God continually. Amen. Let's look on the screen. If you're lost tonight, anybody lost tonight, this is what's going to happen. You're going to move from hopelessness to hope. Disappointment to appointment. Fearful to fearless. Anger to love. Cursing to pure words. Arguments to peace. Dirty to being clean. Loss and destruction to being wealth and riches. Lying and stealing to being truth and giving and hell to heaven. That's what Jesus died for. 
He's the only way that can give it. He's the only way that can give it. Everyone needs a Savior. His name is Jesus. We cannot save ourselves from Satan's lies and fears and instructions. We can only repeat them. And it becomes a lifestyle. But when Father God is ready for you to come into his kingdom, he draws you to Jesus and grafts you in. Amen. So the big question. We all are going to die someday. Could be today or tomorrow. When you die, it's time for you to go to heaven. And Jesus asks you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? Think about that. What would you say? Would you say living right got me into heaven? Living right doesn't get us in heaven. You have to be forgiven. And forgiven people don't don't have anger and unforgiveness in them. That's you know how you know unforgiveness unfor, uh, has not taken place yet, and that's available tonight. It's available tonight. We are saved by grace, not our works. And as we pray, keep in mind that you are praying to God tonight. Open your whole heart to Jesus tonight. Amen. Can we cut the lights a minute? And I'm, I'm going to actually pray this prayer of salvation. I want everybody to stand. And close your eyes. Just pray this prayer with me. Because we're coming in some serious business with the way this world is and God's looking for his people, the saints to rise up and conquer. So let's close our eyes, please, and let's think about what was taught tonight and pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Your word says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I am calling on Jesus right now. I am a sinner and believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. To give me life eternally with God. I break every covenant that I've made with the enemy and with my flesh and the world. Father, I ask you to forgive me. I ask Jesus to come into my heart. And I live and live your life. In me and through me. In me and through me. I repent of my sins. And surrender my life. Totally. To you. As Savior. And Lord. Amen. Let's give him some praise. That's a powerful prayer. If you prayed that with your heart. Then something happened. That's the same prayer I prayed. And something happened. And I was never the same again. The Lord wants to, and those who, who can want to stay can stay, but we're going to, the Lord wants to do some deliverance tonight and setting some people free. And um, so we've got we to go into that with some little bit of music. And if you just want to come laid down here at this altar, face down to God, Desperate for God with all your heart. Even though my, my spirit got saved, my head's not saved yet. Amen. It's just forgiven. 
It's forgiven. It's covered under the blood. But I want the victory. I want the victory. I don't want to have to keep repeating these angry feelings and this fearful thoughts and anxiety and perversion. I don't want to have to keep living this lifestyle because I don't like it. If you're a Christian, you're going to hate it. So God's going to deliver it tonight from that. And, and then we're going to go into a vision. The Lord gave me a vision um, a couple of days ago. He wants me to uh, perform, you know, have it set up tonight of what I saw. And then there's going to be another level of deliverance coming in the house. And that's, and that's done. Amen. So I love you. And uh, those who, who can stay, can stay. Uh, if you need to go, you can go at any time. I know some have children. But we are going to go into praise and worship. For about 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And as the music is playing, just come on up here. Kneel down, lay down. I like to push these chairs back. We have some room here tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord.